the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken great are you Lord you give life you are love
we just we just come before you in this place and God know that it's your breath in our lungs, Lord, that is that's the only way we can be sustained is is by you. And so God, as we just raise your name this morning, as we make you the priority, God, that we would just say, God, you're so great. And God, as you are great, you are majestic, you are powerful. God, you are just and just as much you are close to us. God, I love uh, just the words that we read in the Bible, just talking about you inhabit the praises of your people. God, you are here, you are moving. And so, God, I just I just think about where everybody's coming from this morning, and I don't know. And mountaintops or valleys, God, we just know that you are great, and you are sovereign, and you are in control, and we can trust you. As we move about this morning, may we just realize and be taken back by how great you are. We just love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Good morning, church. Have a seat. How's everybody doing? Everybody alive? Come on. Yep. Okay, I'll try one more time. Is everybody alive in the house today? Yeah. Woo. So if you pass the friendship folders, I have a bunch of stuff to highlight. And what we're excited about is just to say, if you're joining us online, we're super thankful that you join us. And guys, what I love about this church is we're not only talking to people here and getting excited about Jesus, but there are people joining us online. And so if you didn't know, you can join us online during the second service every weekend. Video team's doing a great job back there. Um, But we are really excited about a lot of things happening here. And some things just to highlight is uh, if you are interested in leading worship, being a part of the worship team for student ministry, whether you're an adult or a student, there's a meeting right after the second service in the auditorium. Lunch is provided. Be excited just about starting this fall and all kinds of things happening. But student ministry worship team for adults and students and wanting to get involved right after the second service in the auditorium as well. Kids Clubhouse, Canopy Kids is looking for Wednesday night volunteers, and so we have a lot of availabilities and really exciting things. Whether you want to teach or be in the back helping kids, we have exciting opportunities for you. Talk to Courtney and their team, and we'd really love to share those with you. And then everything is launching on September 12th, which is a Wednesday night. So there are men's and women's groups. There are also student ministry stuff happening, children's ministry. Guys, the door's not going to shut here. And that's an exciting thing because there's always something happening. As well, September 24th is going to be our life group kickoff. And so life groups are going to be on Wednesday nights at 630. They're going to be happening during the weekends, during the week, in the morning, or at night. And so we want to just really encourage everybody to get connected this fall. We are so much better when we're together. And we need people. We need to have people that know our names, that know our mess, and we know their mess, and we know their names. And so you can register for a life group by going to our website. And uh, and there's also more information to come. But September 24th is where we're going to launch all those life groups, and we're so excited for that. Guys, God's going to do big stuff this morning. Are we excited? Are we ready for that? Come on. Yep. So as the ushers come forward for our morning offering, I just want to say, if you're brand new with us, we're excited that you're here and uh, just would love if you'd stop by the, the Welcome Center, the Next Steps area to get something for free as well as for us just to connect with you. It would be a joy to just find out somebody that was brand new this morning to come and just share your name or let us know what's going on. And, and, and maybe one way that we can uh, help you is by, if you reach in front of you, grab a Connect card, anybody, uh, and fill out a prayer request. We would love and consider it a privilege to pray for you. And so we're really excited about what God's going to do this morning. And so as you see the plate pass by, if you're new, feel free to participate. This is for those who are regular in the grace of giving. Uh, but guys, we are excited to give towards a mission that is always moving and growing and God's kingdom is widening. So let's, let's go before the Lord as we, uh, as we get ready to give this morning. God, you are just so good. And we are, we're taking a step back just to, again, say you are great. God, you're big, you are, you are mighty, and Lord, we are excited uh, to know that you are just moving all over. God, you're moving in Finleyville, in our city of Pittsburgh, in our country, in this world. God, you are moving in the Middle East, you're moving in countries, God, that we're not even sure if there's hope. And God, we're not saying that we have all this random hope here in America, God. We, we are so thankful for all the freedoms we have, but the true freedom we are thankful for is the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. And so, God, we are just excited about what you're going to do this morning and how you're going to move and how you're going to speak to us in only the way that you can. 
And so God, as we hear from your word this morning, as we sing and, and just make you great and make you the priority, God, I pray that we would just be taken back a step of how amazing and great you are. God, we, we just, we give now to see lives changed by Jesus Christ. We're not given to programs. We're not given to, to see buildings just get bigger or whatever. We're given to see lives changed by Jesus Christ. And so we are thankful for this opportunity to participate in your mission. We love you so much, Jesus, and we just thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. from Ezekiel this morning as we continue in song this morning and and I just want to draw your attention to this passage in Ezekiel 37 this is this is the Lord is talking to Ezekiel and they're interacting in this valley of dry bones and Ezekiel's just having this conversation with God but watch what God does to these dry bones he tell he, he says to he says to Ezekiel prophesy to these dry bones and say to them dry bones hear the word of the Lord This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. And check this out. And you will come to life. It gets more explicit. He says, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Guys, what I love about this passage is that it just shows us our dependence on the Lord. Because at the end of the day, No matter what our best looks like, no matter what our mess looks like, we are nothing but dried up bones if it's not for Jesus Christ. Amen? And so what I'm excited about this morning is to tell you that everybody's riding on mountaintops or you might be sitting in the valleys wondering, what's next? And I don't ever think that a wrong answer is be more dependent on the Lord. Amen? And so what I'm excited about this morning is to share with you that, you know, we've had a lot going on in our family. You know, we sent our first grader off the bus this week and he literally walked up and said, see ya, and walked on the bus. You know, and then, you know, mama's sitting back there, you know, having her time and trying to wrestle with how can my first grader do this? And, you know, he's, he's just loving life. He had a great week. You know, so we have mountaintop experiences. We also are just coming off of a loss in our family. And so you have these mountaintops, you have these valleys, and maybe you have these moments where things are just like this. And here's where I want to encourage you. At the end of the day, we have to be dependent on the Lord. It is He who gives us breath. It is He who put the tendons in our bodies and the muscles in our body and gave us life and a purpose. There's no greater way than to step forward than to step to get down on our knees and recognize that our dependence has to be on God. If he doesn't move, if he doesn't come, there's nothing else that we can go to. But he is moving, and he is here, and he is present. And so this this next song, I just think is going to be a really cool reminder that in the valleys that God never forsakes us, he never leaves us, and he will always sustain us. Let's go to him. Let's be dependent on him.
what more can we say than what we just sung? I thank you for your love, that not even for a second were we forsaken, not in the loneliest times, not, not in the most joyful. God, we love you. We thank you for that. Soften our hearts as we prepare to hear where we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I let go and I let love show me life like it's supposed to be. On oasis, here awaits us. All the freedom I'll ever need. Now I'm Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's thank our worship band, man. What a great day today, huh? Love it, love it. I, uh, we, we're in the middle of this series, Bucket List, and i uh, been having some fun with it, thinking about, you know, uh, when you think about your bucket list, you think about what would make your life complete, you know? And typically, you, you think of your bucket list as what you're going to put inside of your bucket. You think, you know, if I could just go skydiving, you know? God bless you on that one, all right? I'm, I'm happy for you on that. You know, if you could just do certain things, you, th- you think I would be happier if I just keep filling my bucket. But as we've been looking through Romans chapter 12, we're looking, we're saying that, wow, really, this is not about what you can put into your bucket. It's really about what you're going to pour out of your bucket. It's about how that you can take the things that God has given you and you get to pour them out. And so you are most fulfilled, not whenever you're filling your bucket, but whenever you are unloading your bucket whenever you're giving out and you're pouring out. And so this morning, I want you to think about that as we continue this, the, with this message today from Romans 12. What is it that God has placed in your bucket that he wants you to pour out? There's things that he's given us, and when you are most fulfilled, would your life be most complete when you do this? And it's like, wait, that, that, that makes no sense, right? How is it more complete whenever I give it out? Well, you know, everything about Jesus, when you look at the teachings of Jesus, it, made, it didn't make sense right away. Jesus said that the, the widow who gave two mites, you know, she had nothing and she gave her, her two mites or two little pennies. He said that she, was, she had a better heart than most of the people that were making the big noise with all their money that they were putting in. Uh, you know, Jesus said that the way up is down. I mean, so it's like, you know, you, you want to be humble. And as, as you come in and you, and you humble yourself and you, you see this, it's like, wow. So, so that's what I want, I want you to think about is like, wow, as we come today, we're going to look at this bucket list and we're going to look at how that we can take what God has given us and how that we can pour it out. Because there are some things that we do need to pour out. And, and it's, it's absolutely going to hurt us if we don't pour them out, all right? So we're going to look here. We, we said that Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. So we said that the gospel will transform the way we think. And when the gospel of Jesus transformed the way we think, the fact that he died on the cross and he paid for your sin, that he came back to life, what he did and what he taught are absolutely transformational. And many people miss it. Many people just become a mental ascent and their life has never been transformed. They've never seen the transformation that comes by knowing Christ, but really developing this relationship. So as I've asked you to pour out, the first thing I asked you to pour out was your life. I said, give your life to God. First thing on your bucket list would be to give your life to God. Um, and and uh, as you come to do that, we looked at uh, Romans 12.1. It says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then we said, be all that God made you to be. So that involves your gifts. 
God has given every one of you a gift. He's given us all a different gift. And he says, I want you to use your gifts. And if you're not using them, if you're not giving your gift out, all right, then <laughs> you're not fulfilled. If you're not pouring out the gifts that God has given you, okay, you take them and you come and you serve. You serve in the church. You serve in the community. You serve in your family. And what you're doing is you keep pouring out your bucket. You keep pouring that out. Last week, we talked about being real. You know, being real has to take off the, take off the mask. And love, we said the, to let your love be sincere. Romans 12, 9, verse, uh, Romans 12, verse 9 through 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is some powerful things. You want to talk about some bucket list here? You want to talk about things to, to unload, things, to, things that we pour out? He says here to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Last week we talked about hating evil, uh, loving what is good and hating what is evil because you can't do this both. You can't love what is good. You can't cling to what is good and hate evil at the same time. I'm sorry. You can't love what is good and cling to evil at the same time. You see that? You have, to, you have to get away. If you're going to hate the evil, you're going to love the good. But if I'm loving the good and I'm loving the evil, it doesn't work. And so he says, be, your love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That's the family of God. And uh, be, um, ne- um, honor one another. And, uh, excuse me here. Be devoted to one another in brother love. Honor one another above yourselves. Verse 11, he continues on. He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And this verse here can really drive your life. There, again, you just start checking off the things that will, that will, that will complete your life. Here it is right here. Be joyful in hope. You know what? Could you imagine if this were all that we had, if this earth were all that we had? It would be really sad, wouldn't it? I mean, if this was your whole life, if our only hope was what you got, what you stored up on earth, and the 70 to 90 years that you made it to live on earth, it would be pretty depressing, wouldn't it? It would be like, well, if my only hope is that I get to be old one day, I get to have my knees hurt. I get to have all the joys of aging, right? If that were the only hope, there's not much hope, is there? Because we start off as a baby. We've got all the energy. Then we think the, the times of our life that we're in our prime. And then we just notice that we just continually, it's like it gets harder and harder and harder as we age. And so one day we will no longer be on this earth, but we have hope We are joyful in hope because of what Jesus did. And that's where the power of the gospel transforms the way we think. When we understand that this is not the end. This is just temporary. This is what we have to live through till we get to the glory. But God's given us so much. He says, while you're here, I have things I want you to do. One of them is I want you to be joyful in hope. And he says, be patient in affliction. Patient in affliction means this. Don't Give up the faith in light of problems. Don't give up the faith in light of problems. Keep enduring. Many people, I've seen this happen through the years, they will drop their faith whenever whenever their circumstances are overwhelming. And God says, look, don't do that. This is why I gave you the faith for those times. I've given you faith. I want you to cling to that faith because when it's harder, you can't see, you can't see up from down. This is the time. So he says there's got to be joy in you. There has to be hope in you. Uh, we get our hope from God. There's got to be enough patience in you. We are patient in affliction. Do you know what that means to be patient in affliction? It means to not grumble when there's a problem. It means not complaining when your plans have blown up. When you, when you thought that your plan was going to go this way and it has blown up, it is not grumbling. It is not complaining. It is being patient that, there, that God has the plan and he has something higher. Bad things are happening and you can handle it. You don't crumble. You don't complain. 
You, uh, you keep your poise. You keep your calm. Because here's what happens. Whenever we worry, you know, worry's really troublesome, isn't it? You know, anybody ever worry in here? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you have other issues, okay? We, we all have, we all worry, okay? And so here's what happens when we worry. We put ourselves. it's a, a form of pride. And I put myself in the position that I am in charge more than God is. That somehow I know better how life should go than God did. In the meantime, God's got everything under control, and I don't have to worry. I don't have to, I don't have to keep going and, and plowing that. And, and, and whenever I have that hope, I know that it creates patience in my life so that I can have this. The, the, the psalmist said this, that weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. We may cry through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Rejoicing comes in the morning. And for a Christian, I want you to know this this morning. As a follower of Christ, the joy is always on the way. Joy is always on the way. Our hope is this, and we know this, that God has a plan for our life, and God, not only does he have a plan for our life, but he says this. He says that he is for you. God is for you. There is glory in your future. He has it all covered. So I can have this, I can relax in him. And then, then he says, be faithful in prayer. There, there's another thing. You, you want to develop your life? Here's the bucket list. Be faithful in prayer. Keep pouring this out. You know, we're getting ready to start something, uh, uh, something here in two weeks. It's the fall kickoff, right? I'm so excited. Our, our new youth pastors, student pastors here, Eric Raspberry. Uh, let's give him a hand. He's somewhere in here. I saw him. There he is, all right? Let's give him a hand. We're, we're thanking God. These, these guys were over there at, the, at the, uh, the, the student center, our youth building, and they are working all day yesterday, and they're giving themselves. I'm super excited. You know what I'm doing? I'm being faithful in prayer right now. I'm saying, God, I'm praying that you'll just bless and bring teenagers and that we will reach Ringgold High School for Jesus Christ. We'll reach Bethel Park High School, Bethel Park Middle School, uh, South Park. God, we, we just want, we want you to use us. And so I'm going to ask you to join me and be faithful in prayer as our kids go back to school. Some of them went back to school on Wednesday. Others went back to school or are going back to school tomorrow. Let's be faithful in prayer. We've got schools represented here, TJ, Bethel Park, South Park, Ringgold, um, Val Vernon. We've got kids from everywhere, and we've, our job is to be faithful in prayer. And so as we're faithful in prayer, what am I doing? I, it takes time. It takes commitment. I'm going to ask all, all those that are working with young people to pray over every one of the names. Be faithful in prayer. I pour out my life. I pour it out. And as I pour that out, man, I am most fulfilled. This morning, I want to continue here with verse 12. He says, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. You know, uh, those, that's the easy part of this, of this cluster of verses. Um, it, it's easy to, to, uh, to share with those that are in need at times and practice hospitality. Some people have a gift of hospitality. They are just exceptional at it. Others, we have to practice it. <laughs> we have to learn how to do it. But it's, it, it, you know, he, God's called us all to be hospital, but there are some people that are just exceptional. I remember whenever I would go visit Dorothy Watts, Jim Watts' mother, Chrissy's grandmother here, right? You go see Dorothy, you, you didn't leave that house unless you gained five pounds. It was unbelievable, right? She made you eat. She didn't care if she had anything. She'd figure something out. She'd go, and it was like she'd be mad if you didn't eat. All right? That was hospitality. She had a gift. She didn't even know it was a gift. And, uh, and she, she would care for us. She, she cared about people. And, uh, and she would meet people's needs. And so for some of us, we have to practice that because we're not too good at it. But we all have to. This is what God calls us to do for the family of God. And then he says, this is where it gets a little bit harder now. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, that's not the natural response, is it, folks? And that's a pretty strong word. He doesn't just say, you know, bless those whom you have a slight disagreement with. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless those that you've had a disagreement with to the point that they are attacking you. They're attacking your character. They're attacking, they're they're mean to you. You've had a vicious disagreement. He says, bless those who persecute you. Isn't it interesting? He says it right next to hospitality. Be hospitable. And we all understand that. That's cherry pie. I like that part of it. But this is not cherry pie, folks. 
This is bless those who persecute, who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I, I, I find it interesting that Paul said that there because he understands that we will curse. He understands that we want to, uh, we want to give back. We want to get even. Look what he continues on. He says, uh, rejoice with those who mourn. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Now, there, there's so much in here. Look, we, so pers- somebody's persecuted us. Then he says rejoice with somebody who needs to be rejoicing with. How does this all fit together? We're going to catch a principle here in just a moment. But I, ch- check this out. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. We, this is our calling. If somebody is doing better than you, we rejoice with them. We don't have to get jealous. There's no place for jealousy in God's family. There's no place for jealousy in your life. Jealousy will just destroy you. You know, if you just keep looking at everybody else's Facebook and Pinterest and whatever is out there, all right, you'll, just, you'll be mad all the time. You really will. You'll be upset because, because here's what happens on Facebook. I can make myself look pretty good. I've even been told if I hold the camera up in the air, I'll look thinner. <laughs> and I say, yeah, right, all right? So, so, but, but you see, look, what happens? You start comparing. You start getting jealous. Man, that's, we've got to rejoice with those who rejoice. We've got to mourn. We've got to grieve with those who grieve. You know, there are people dealing with loss. We have people in our church who are dealing with loss right now, loss of job, loss of family. Uh, people have died. There, there's a lot of things, and our job is to come alongside them and mourn with them and grieve with them. He says, live in harmony. You know, four-part harmony is really interesting. You get around the choir, and they have four parts. They have the soprano, the alto, the tenor, and the bass. And uh, I remember one time I heard a group of altos practicing, and I was like, what is that? Okay? Because uh, standing alone, it sounds like Oh, man, it doesn't even sound like the song that they're singing. And then, you know, then you get the tenors, and they just sound like they're just singing way too high or something. I don't know, right? And then, then the bass, you know, they're just kind of having fun. But when you put it all together, it's harmony. And God says, listen, I know you're so different. I know every one of you are different in this place. And I want you to live together in harmony. Because when I put you all together and you function accordingly, and, and that's what he says, live in harmony. And I can't live in harmony whenever I'm jealous because I'm an alto and I'm not a soprano. Or I'm a tenor and I'm not a bass. You see, jealousy has no room. There's no room for that in the family of God. He continues on. He says, do not be proud. But be willing to associate with people of low position. James talked about this as well. He says, he says listen, don't, don't be proud. Don't be, looking to, don't be looking to treat the people who sit down front better than the people who sit in the back. Don't treat people who give versus those who don't give. Don't treat anybody better. He says, treat everybody the same, the book of James says. And, and here, Paul's going on. He says, look, be willing to associate with people of low position. Didn't Jesus say to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Do you know that whenever you're kind to somebody, the, the elsewhere the scriptures tell us that you are sometimes entertaining angels unaware? And it's not typically the person that has a high position. It's people that are low position. He says, don't treat them differently. He says, don't be conceited. Don't think of yourself so highly. Don't think of yourself, well, this is... Look, this church should be so glad to have me. My family should be so glad to have me. Yeah? He says, don't be conceited. We are glad to have you. I'll let you know that. Your family will let you know that. You don't have to tell them that. See, that's when you're conceited. Well, you know, I am God's gift to whatever. That's whenever we lose the gift. And so he says, don't be conceited. Here's what he wants you to do. Here's the last thing on your bucket list for today. Live in humility and be set free. Live in humility and be set free. That's the fill in the blank on your, on your, on your paper there. Live in humility and be set free. Um, bless those who persecute you. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pick up there with verse 14. Bless those who per- persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. 
verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not repay evil for evil. Do not repay anyone evil. Somebody has wronged you. Do not wrong them back. Hmm. Um, He continues on. Uh, Verse 19. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I want to leave this verse up here for a while because there's a principle right here, and it kind of guides that whole last paragraph if you're looking in your Bible. Um, He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is a huge principle. There are only two alternatives. Either you will be overcome by evil, or you will overcome evil with good. It goes back to the verse last week when he says, he says, let go, hate the evil, cling to the good. It's kind of like a golf swing. You know, I, I've watched golfers. I, I've, I went to top golf already. I know how to throw my back out. It's, I can do it pretty good, okay? You, you, you get down there, and I don't know too many people that can hit a golf ball very far with one hand. You can't have a, a Coke in one hand and swing a golf club and, hit the, and be successful at it. You might be able to do that while you're putting. That's what God wants us to do. He says, let go of this stuff. And here's, here's the principle. It's the same principle. Do not be overcome by evil. Let go of the evil and hold on to what is good. Overcome evil with good. So it's a huge principle. And here's what happens. He, this whole passage here, he's talking about forgiving people, but he's not using the word forgiveness. He uses some pretty strong words. Uh, and, and here's what happens. Whenever we, uh, he, he wants us to conquer evil. It's a military term, to conquer evil. If somebody hurts you and you hurt them back, you may just want them to be hurt. You don't even physically follow through with it. You didn't even say it. You're just thinking in your heart, man, I... Oh, that guy. You know what? Evil's won. Congratulations. Evil has won. You say, well, I, 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 you know, I, I've been holding this grudge on this person. And, and well, I don't call it a grudge. It's just a disagreement. We just don't like each other. And, and, and you, start to, you start to dream up this thing in your mind like, well, that person shouldn't get that promotion at all. There's no way. And then whenever they do get the promotion, you're like, can you believe that? You know, you just start losing your mind. And so it's just like, oh. and what happens is you have this anger that starts to build up. And anger, because you haven't acted on the anger, doesn't mean that it's not wrong. You see, we have this anger, and we build up this anger inside of us, and God's telling us, he says, I want you to forgive. Do not repay evil for evil. And Jesus took it a step further. He said, yeah, that's the law. Jesus said, according to the law, he says, you know, he says, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. He says, I'm going to take it a step further. Do not lust in your heart. Jesus said, I, I, thou shalt not commit murder. He says, but you shall not have anger. You shall not have, uh, be, be angry in your heart. You shall not, you know, you've got to forgive. Do you see what happens? When we are dealing with unforgiveness, you are the person who hurts the most. And that's why I've said live in humility and be set free. You see, God wants to make you better, not bitter. Uh, when, you, when you hold on to bitterness, you just become bitter, bitter, bitter. And, and, and here's, here's how Christian people do it. Christian people don't say, well, I'm really bitter. Because we think of bitter as like somebody who's like, ah. We just do it like this. Well, that person. And then you get somebody, you get a third party involved. You say, can you believe that? Can you believe what, can you believe what George said? George said, da, 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 da. And you just go on and you just go on go on. And what we do is we get other people involved, and it's called gossip. 
And, then we, and what we're doing is we're making ourselves feel better by putting somebody else down. And it's, like, it's called third-party involvement. And here you go. And, and maybe you didn't even talk to anybody else, but you're just kind of inside hoping and wishing that something bad would happen to them. Maybe they'll fall down the steps today or something, you know? You just get, you just get that going. I'm going to share with you a couple thoughts here about this. When we harbor unforgiveness, it hurts us. And there's a couple ways it hurts us. Number one, it distorts all of your relationships. When we don't forgive people, it hurts all of your relationships. For example, uh, somebody may have lied to you. What do we do? We kind of make a caricature, you know? Do you remember those caricatures when you went to the fair? And uh, you know, I remember when we were younger, me and Rhonda would get those characters done, you know, and you come back and they, I, I was, we were newly married and I wore a mustache in those days. They would exaggerate the mustache, you know. They would exaggerate your eyes. Now they would exaggerate my lack of hair. They would just do, you know, they exaggerate a particular characteristic. And this is what happens. Somebody else did something to us. They lied. We, we, we caricature that. We make that bigger. We flatten them. And we accentuate that, their issue. In the meantime, we come to our own self and we start to airbrush. And we airbrush our own self. And, uh, and, and you, think, you, know, you think of a person as a liar, somebody else that lied to you once. You think of them as a liar. And then whenever you catch yourself in a lie, you say, well, wait a minute. You don't understand. It's complicated. And, and we get through that, right? Uh, you, you distort, you, it will distort your view of anyone in that category. For example, if a man was hurt by a woman... It's very easy if he doesn't let go of the unforgiveness to be mad at many women, to have hard relationships with women. If a a woman has been hurt by a man, she may, if she doesn't deal with that unforgiveness, she may have hard relationships with men. Uh, If if you have, maybe it's a son or daughter, and you've had a problem with your father or your mother, you may struggle with authority the rest of your life until you let go of it. Until you let go, until you say, okay, I release this. It will distort, uh, distort your relationships, and what will happen? Evil will win. You see, by me harboring this inside, I haven't let it go, and evil is winning. Evil's winning in your life. So God's giving us the, he says, let this evil go. Um, the, the other thing it does, it distorts, distorts your view of yourself. Paul had said earlier, have a sober self-assessment of yourself. Have a sober judgment of yourself. You all of a sudden start to think more highly of yourself. Uh, and then when, a, when the opportunity comes, somebody's hurt you, when the opportunity comes for you to be cruel, what do you do? You take it. Why? Because I deserve it. I deserve it. I've suffered. And you know what happens? Evil has one. It hurts the perpetrator. It hurts the perpetrator, the person who's offended you. Do you realize God, God has a plan for us to help the perpetrator to come to Christ? And it is not by us holding anger and unforgiveness. See, we're, to, we're, we're here to point people to Jesus, right? And so somebody's offended us. The, the, it, yeah, that's the way the world operates. The world operates and says, you've hurt me. I'm shutting you down. You're locked out. You're never getting in. God says, I know you hurt me, and I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. Um, Today, I want you to think about this. Uh, There's a a couple things. How do we forgive? How do we get the forgiveness going? Well, we we do what he says in the Scripture. We bless those who persecute you. We can... uh, Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Paul is likely pulling from those words. He says, pray for your enemies. And I want to ask you this morning, are you praying for those people who've hurt you? Are you praying for those people that hurt you? Do, do you give them, praying and asking God to give them what they need? You have somebody in mind right now? You've been thinking about it for 20 minutes. About somebody. Say, so I need to forgive them, right? Can you imagine if you just started praying for them? Here's what happens when you start praying for him. You start to understand who you are. You're no longer superior in the presence of God. You're no longer superior over your perpetrator in the presence of God Almighty. You owe this debt to God. You start praying, God, I pray that you'll be with my enemy. I pray that you'll give him what he needs, what she needs. And you're like, oh my. And so for some of you say, 
I'm not there yet. I can't do that. Maybe this is where you have to start. Maybe you have to start and you have to start slow. You have to say, oh, Lord, open the eyes of that idiot. You know? Maybe that's where you got to come. Lord, start and open that eyes of that idiot. He's just got me so mad. I think God's listening. Because God already knows what you're thinking. And I think after you do that a couple times, you won't be calling him an idiot anymore. Because you understand that in the presence of God, we're all fallen. We have all these issues. Forgive them. Don't murder. Jesus said, don't murder. That's what the law said. He says, but in your heart, don't hate. Forgive from the heart. Uh, Romans 12, 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So this tells me that there's something for you to do as far as it depends on you. And as far as it depends on you is not avoiding. It's painful. I would rather just avoid every person I ever had a disagreement with. You know what happens when I do that? Evil has won. In your marriage, you avoid each other. Evil has won. In your family, your kids, you avoid each other. Evil has won. In the church, church is a great place to get hurt. We're moving, a lot of moving parts here. You don't forgive, evil's won. You've lost. You've lost. So I'm asking you today to do what Jesus said. Do not take revenge, my friends. Verse 19, Paul said, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, I it is mine to, re- to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I will repay. There was only one person who could sit in the seat of judgment. That was Jesus. Only one. And when he came in, over in Mark chapter 11, it's really interesting. In Mark eleven twenty five, he says this. He came, he says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. Your prayer life is stunted by your unforgiveness. You have an issue with your mom? Your prayer life is stunted. He says, forgive. Forgiveness is granted before it's felt. Forgiveness is granted before it's felt. Jesus says, look, you can come, you can sing all you want in church, you can cry at this altar, and you'd have a great experience. But if you left and you didn't forgive, you didn't let go, you haven't been transformed. Romans 12, 2 hasn't happened in your life yet. You haven't overcome evil with good. So God says, let's go out and let's be kind to them. Because whenever we do that, we heap a coal on their head. In other words, it brings their attention to who Jesus really is. And so you want to be kind, you want to be kind to an enemy? Have you ever made a pie for your enemy? Your neighbor that you disagreed with, that you had an argument with, do you ever take a pie to them? Do you ever do that in your family? Just do something kind? God says, let's be kind, let's let's do this and, 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 and no longer be on the seat of judgment. No longer be on the seat of judgment. Jesus came to this earth, and when he did, he could have been the one in the seat of judgment. But he says, I didn't come to judge. I came to save. And that's our responsibility, too. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, the bucket list is getting harder. You can't do this in your own power, folks. The power comes from God Almighty. And I want to ask you this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you let Jesus be the one who takes revenge? Can you trust God enough that he is the avenger? Can you, can you trust him? Can you, can you let him be in charge enough that you don't have to hold that anger in your heart anymore? You see, forgiveness, the emotion, of the, the, you may still be angry. Uh, the, the, the anger will not disappear until you forgive. It's not wait till your anger disappears. No, no, no. Forgive. And then your anger will disappear. 
That's what Jesus did for us. He died on the cross for your sins. He came back to life again for you. He offers you eternal life and all that you have to do is trust him. And he tells you, this is how I want you to live. This morning, maybe God's been talking to you. I know this is a hard subject because it's painful. We all have to deal with it. We have to forgive others. We have to forgive ourselves. Maybe you have to let go of anger towards God. And I want to encourage you to do that right now because God says, look, when you do it, you'll be set free and you'll have so much more to pour out of your bucket. So just in the quietness of this room right now, with no one looking around, we're, we're not going to sing a closing song today. We're just going to respond to Jesus. And i just like to walk you through this moment. If, if you've not trusted Jesus, I invite you to call on him. And pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I need your love and forgiveness today in my life. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. I invite you into my life right now. Thank you, Lord. I trust you as my Savior. And for others in this place, maybe you've been following Christ for some time, but you've been harboring some bitterness. It's been disguised. Oh, no doubt you've been hurt. You have been hurt. Are you willing to grant that forgiveness? Are you willing to never bring it up again? To let it go because God is the one who will repay. You don't have to repay it. There's coming a judgment day. This earth is not our home. The judgment day, we will all stand before God and give an answer. And those people that have hurt you, they have to deal with that between them and God. And you have to deal with God how you're reacting to them. Just let it be quiet for a minute or two. Would you call on the name of God? He loves that when you talk to him. Let's be faithful in prayer. Let's respond to him. Dear God, we, we, uh, we lay this heavy, heavy subject at your feet. No wonder you said it would be by the transforming, renewing of our mind. In order for us to forgive, we have to present ourselves as a living sacrifice to you. We have to give you our, our emotions. God, I know that people in this room are being set free right now. You're changing somebody's life right now because they've been holding bitterness. They've been holding anger and they need to just let it go. God, we're going to give you the honor and the glory for what you've done by the power of your word. I pray that you'll help us to go home and, and, and investigate into our heart deep and just let you turn the lights on for you're a great God. Be with those that opened their heart to you for the first time today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here. What a great day. Let's give our God a hand. Amen. What a great God we serve. If you, uh, if you prayed to receive the Lord to this morning you with me, you opened your heart to Jesus, would you take the connect card? They're in the, in the thing in front of you. Just fill out your name. And, and, uh, and just mark on there, I prayed, and, uh, and give it to the, to the Next Steps Welcome Center. We'd, we'd love to send you some more information to help you grow in your faith. Um, let's stand together. Let's be dismissed. We're so glad that we have a great family. Amen? God is good.